An edition of the sketch, just before the 1935 varsity match, captured the attention surrounding England's exciting new prospect. I hear that Prince Alexander Obolensky has been more photographed since he got his blue than any man in Oxford. For one press photo on the pitch at Ifley Road, Alex wore his rugby kit of jersey, shorts, socks and boots, topped off by his white OURFC jumper, dark blue scarf looped around his neck, left hand nonchalantly stuck in his shorts pocket, right hand holding a rugby ball, and the collar turned up on his much-prized, recently-gained blues blazer. At another session, the photography was more formal. Two days after the varsity match, he went to the Bassano Studios in Dover Street, London, where those in the news were given a free sitting, on the proviso the press might use the pictures for fees. Viscount and Nancy Astor were there in the previous week. Last time Alex had done this, it was with his mother, and he had worn a kiddie's sailor outfit. Now he was the dapper man about town, dressed in a sharp suit and tie with his hair flattened by brilliantine and parted marginally off-centre. His moody expression was reminiscent of Rudolf Valentino or some other matinee idol. The spelling of Alex's name with a final I, as seen in the sketch, could be explained by the varying transliterations from the Russian Cyrillic. It allowed Alex a joke when Michael Peacock, a friend at Brazenose, spotted an issue of Punch from 1903. In Russia, people have been trying to assassinate Prince Obolensky on the poultry ground that he had 35 peasants whipped to death. Alex replied, Now you know why I prefer to spell my name with a Y. While this was a bit of fun, Alex was a live candidate to play for his adopted country, and it raised the serious subjects of nationalism and nationality. No one of Russian birth had represented England in any sport, and no one could have contemplated the comparatively conservative game of rugby union setting the trend. Political sentiment towards Russia in Britain was a jumble of memories of historical friendship and suspicion, of cooperation in the Great War and communism's subsequent advance. Russian culture was popular through the written works of Pushkin, Turgenev, Dostoevsky, Chekhov and Tolstoy, the classical music by Tchaikovsky, Mozgorsky, Rachmaninoff and Rimsky-Korsakov and the dancers Pavlova, Nijinsky and the Ballet Russe. In rugby union, the question of nationality had been a muddle throughout the 65-year history of international matches. Deciding a team based on national borders raised an inevitable question, literally and figuratively, which side were you on? Should you qualify for a country only through your birthplace, or also by the birthplace of one of your parents or grandparents? How about if you had lived in a country for a certain length of time, or married into it, or fought for its army? There were no easy answers. Geopolitically speaking, Alex and his family were stateless. In December 1921, Lenin revoked Russian citizenship from expatriates who had fled the country. In March 1922, the new Nansen passport allowed a refugee to travel between countries under protection from deportation to find work or family members. 
international rugby was largely confined to the British Empire, and players swapped countries within it, the likes of Mike Gilbert and Tapio and Smith. Today, World Rugby, the sport's global governing body, has written lengthy stipulations on nationality into its Regulation 9. If it had existed in 1935, Alex would have been cleared to play for England as a resident for more than five years and having represented no other country. But the regulation did not exist in 1935, and opinion on an always emotive issue was inevitably divided.